What's up, metalheads? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast, where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on our Facebook page. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram, and our website, talklouderpodcast.com. I'm Metal Dave, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster, and today we are joined by Jeff Duncan, guitarist, uh, primarily best known for his work in Armored Saint, but also in Odin, uh, the band that he was in prior to Armored Saint. And he's done a lot of other things as well. Um, I'm a big fan of the Symbol of Salvation record that Armored Saint put out, and that was Jeff's uh, debut with Armored Saint. Uh, Great record. If you haven't heard it, you need to check it out. Um, Jason put this together. I don't know how you got a hold of Jeff. I guess your buddy's from days gone by years or... years yeah years and years i was actually i spent the day uh i spent a day in the studio M- most most of the symbol record was already recorded and i i was out uh i was out there recording with the toys and it was 1990 and they were in finishing touches on the symbol record and got to hang and hear some tracks and uh that was that was amazing but uh, I had I had met Jeff before that um, as Armored Saint. He was in Armored Saint prior to that, uh, doing you know, playing uh, out on the road with a couple of records previous um, as second guitar player. I guess there's not really a second guitar player in Armored Saint. It was usually it's a, kind of a twin attack the whole time. But yeah. um, he had already been in the band for a little while before that. But um, we were we stayed in touch because uh most people know i'm a giant armored saint fan and i've been in touch with john bush and and these guys for years and years and um it, it it's uh it's probably not common knowledge that now we have had count them three members of armored saint on the talk louder podcast so yes this was uh only a matter of time um, Jeff reached out to me, excited uh, to throw his name in the hat to to be on the. Oh, with Go- if Gonzo and uh, and Phil are going to be on there, I have to be on there too. I want to be on the talk list. So I was like, of course. But there was no, there was no bait in the water at all. It was just like he he saw their their episodes and called me, and I was like, any time, you can come on tomorrow, you know. Yeah. Uh, but he he's a busy guitar player he lives in las vegas he's he makes money playing guitar he does recording sessions he's got a couple of solo records out or coming out and uh he's a gigging guitar player whether it just be covers or like i said just work he's working he's a working guitar player in las vegas now so uh, as well as being uh you know when armored saint calls of course he's tin hut you know yeah and, and and we should point out that, uh, you know, obviously he's been involved in the last couple of Armored Saint records, which have been very well received, critically acclaimed. Uh, Punching the Sky is the latest one. Uh, before that, there was an album called Win Hands Down. Before that, La Raza. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, before that, Revelation. So, right. uh, yeah, he's uh, been on a string of Armored Saint records uh, recently, in recent years. And they've all been quality, as you would expect from Armored Saint. So, um, 
Yeah, and and of course, Odin was uh, they were a big draw in the Hollywood uh, scene back in the day before he was in uh, Armored Saint. He was in this band called Odin that you might remember from Decline of the Western Civilization, the Metal Years movie. They have a infamous appearance, I guess you could say, in in that movie. Yeah, and you and, know, how would you describe Odin's music? I see it as kind of like this sort of crossover, sort of like hollywood thing but there's some like power metal involved i mean it's like what would you call lizzie borden you know what i mean it's not really it's not really theatrical glam as much as it is or as much as it is or more kind of an early power metal kind of shit yeah i i agree and and i i love that you said lizzie borden because that was the one of the first bands and actually armored saint you know yeah, the, i wouldn't even say odin sounds like lizzie borden or sounds like armored saint but it's somewhere in between armored saint is definitely not this theatrical sort of hollywood uh, well they were in the day you know they, they were mad max back in the day you know they had yeah, the armor and all that yeah, stuff I, under, I understand but but as armored saint and you understand that they're barely like a metal band most of the time armored saying i'm thinking wow this is just a good rock and roll band yeah you know, everything is really bluesy and they're not a thrash band no you know and, and, and they're and, just very straight for straightforward almost like classic metal or even true metal without being too like swords and sorcery or anything like that they're not really you know maybe the name connotates that maybe the earlier stuff had that because they were playing into the stage show a little bit yeah uh, ever ever since kind of the the met you know like metallica's vision of what you know that style should be i think armored saint adapted that just we can wear almost street clothes up here and just and kick your ass the same way which has always been the creed of metallica so yeah i think there was a handful of bands that came out of that era uh i won't say the hollywood scene but i'll say that era you know um bands like lizzie borden odin armored saint that were as you said sort of uh you know power metal type bands so, but they had the they had the look because you needed that look at the time, you know. So they had the big hair and the spandex and all that stuff. But they definitely weren't warrant or poison or rat or anything like that. They were definitely more of an Iron Maiden, Judas Priest type Correct. UFO sort of thing. That's right. And I think, well, it, it, for better or worse, that that's also maybe what uh, worked against them to a degree because the, the, the labels didn't really know what to do with that. You know, it's like, yeah, here's this metal band. They're too heavy. Uh, they're 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 heavier than rock, uh, but they they kind of have the look. But they're kind of you know, <laughs> they're too metal to be to appeal to the Bon Jovi crowd. But they're they're not thrash, so you don't know what to do with them. Yeah, they were they were sort of pre Bon Jovi. They were sort of yeah. like a different. You know, it's, it's the era is almost there. It's a little bit crossover before that was even a way to describe something. That's because what I'm uh, Odin yeah. and Armored Saint were playing shows with Metallica and Slayer, right? And I mean, Savage, if you look, it, and, and Savage Grace and Lizzie Borden and all the and Rat and all the early Metal Blade bands. They were all in this sort of club together, right? And, uh, who who ended up, you know breaking as you say um almost doesn't even matter but 
you know, just surviving as a young as a young player in a scene and being able to make any noise at all is is impressive. And uh, I like how Jeff in the interview today said, I ended up I'm perfectly happy with the road that the decisions that I've made and where I've ended up and the, the opportunities that landed in my lap. I, 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 I don't take any of it for granted. So, yeah. Yeah, a very humble guy. And, and and I wanted to go back just a second and, and say, you know, there again, there was this handful of bands that came out of that era. If you saw a photo of Odin, you wouldn't imagine they sound like they sound. You would think they sound, based on the looks, you would think they sound more commercial. Right. But if you heard them and didn't see the photo, you wouldn't imagine they looked like that, you know. So it was sort of this weird. Uh, and I think there was a handful of bands that kind of had that that same sort of. And I say I, that happens a lot. You know, they don't. You know, well, how do you dress like the way you sound, and why should you worry about it? This is right. The, this is part of the. You know, you make some bad decisions, you make some good decisions. Why did you see the video? You go, why the fuck did I wear that? <laughs> yeah. Guilty. And, Guilty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was going to say, know, I'm hey, sure. Open up, open up your class, you know, your graduating class <laughs> photo. Open up any kind of old photo album from when you were growing up. And you tell me if you're extremely happy with the decisions you made on what to wear to school on picture day. And get right. back to me on that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, regardless, though, uh, the guy's had a great career. He's 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 been part of some great records, and uh, he's just a real sweet guy. And, and feeding his passion, and yeah. All. And congratulations to him for for having that humility and and being grateful for everything he's achieved, which is a lot. Yep. Jeff Duncan on the Talk Louder podcast. <laughs> So I was right. telling Jeff just a second ago that you guys have met. Oh yeah. yeah. You look, yeah. You look familiar for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know what? We met at um I have a photo of me and you from uh the Symbol of Salvation tour, Cameo Theater, San Antonio. Um I went I actually did an interview uh with Gonzo in my car. <laughs> <laughs> We, we did an interview for my uh, college newspaper, and you guys were in the parking lot throwing a football uh, well before the gig, and uh, I showed up and joined in and threw the football around with you guys. But, yeah, we've met. Well, you probably wouldn't catch us doing that these days. <laughs> you wouldn't catch me doing that these days either. <laughs> well, it's and also it's summer heat. In Texas, 100 degrees on a daily basis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm here in Las Vegas. It's yeah. not ex doesn't exist. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, you got a guy's got a different kind of heat. Oh, wow. Yeah. Vegas is pretty nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I what made not. you, uh, what made you and, and a lot of the world move to, move to Vegas? Well, um, I guess after the I, crash of uh, the the death of L.A., kind of a, kind of a thing is what sent people. Wrong. Well, it was it was a few things. I I, um, I was living uh, with a buddy of mine. I uh, uh, you know had a room there, and and it was cool. Great guy, good buddy of mine, and I was um, I was out there in North Hollywood, and one day I just walked outside and I kind of looked around and I was like, you know, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better here. And um, wow. it was an interesting story because a guy 
there was this guy who had approached me a year before at the NAM show who was writing a book and wanted to interview me for this book he was writing. I said, yeah, cool. And he got back to me a year later and um, he lived in Vegas. And so I start, we just start talking about it. And he was telling me all these dudes who lived there that I knew, like, you know, like Oz Fox and uh, Ron Keel and just a bunch of guys. And I'm like, well, what are they doing there? Oh, they're gigging. You know, they, they play here. And I go, oh, so, you know, and then I ended up calling a couple of people I knew, um, one of them being a good friend of mine, Zach Throne, um, musician. He's, he's out playing bass for Ace Fraley right now. He's, you know, played with, with uh, uh, who's the, the Slipknot guy? What's his name? Corey, Corey, uh, oh, Corey Taylor. Corey Taylor's band. He's done tons of stuff anyway. And he got on the phone with me and he just like, he completely talked me into it. You know, he, he made me feel like if I didn't do it, I was stupid. So wow. I got a hold of another friend of mine that lived out here and he was like, I got a room, pack your shit, get on your feet. You know, I just, it was supposed to happen. Um, wow. And uh, so it I got me, here. It and makes me think of like a escape from LA, Snake Plissken and shit. You were getting shot at and shit by Snake Plissken. So you, I got to get out of here. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, I got up and running and, you know, I just, you know, I make a living playing guitar here. I mean, yeah. Been uh, come come December, I'll be here ten years, and Whoa. I haven't gone back to LA. You know, I, I right. I just better for me here. Well, what, what happened to the book, Jeff? Uh, you 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 started all this conversation by talking about a book that you were interviewed. Tell us about the book. Oh, it came out. It was a book called Tales from the Stage. Um, oh, okay. I the guy who wrote it's a guy named Michael Tony, and we did our interview, and you know we did it, but that was you know it was just funny how that that was the. The impetus. Catalyst. Wow. Yeah, that got, got me here. You, you know? know, my uh, my sister-in-law and uh, brother-in-law li live in Vegas. And uh, they they DJ at the, some, the something Tiki. Tiki. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Tiki, Tiki Lounge. Yeah, they, they, they both DJ there as well as other places. And she manages a PT's, which is a chain restaurant or something. Right. I don't know, bar, yeah. So yeah, but that when they moved out there, they were trying to talk, they were trying to talk me in into moving to out to to Vegas, for the same reason that all your buddies were, were telling you, and I, and I was like, wow, it sounds like I could dig in there, mm -hmm. but there's so much here that I have so many roots here. It would just, it would kind of hurt. Um, yeah, when you do music stuff out there, you know, it's the thing about oh, L.A. Yeah. You know, which is weird because that used to be the, such a hub of rock and roll and all that. And now, I mean, you know, it, it's just, you know, musicians are just peasants. I mean, it's 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 just horrible now. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. you know, as you know, I was born and raised there, so I love my own town. Maybe devalued yeah. a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah. That, but that's, that's, that's what I was going to ask. Depends. I think it depends, you know, if you want to just... if. if you know, I'm someone who's who was definitely hell bent on wanting to make a living doing music. You know, yeah. I mean, go get some job or whatever. You know, and it's a roller coaster ride, as you know. But that's all right. You know, I'm. You know, was it uh, do something you love? You know, you never work a day in your life. You know, yeah, and that's what I'm. That's right. Yeah. You that's you said that you've you've been in Vegas going on ten years now, and then you just touched on the fact that something I was going to bring up. You were born and raised in L.A., so uh, you you 
saw a lot of things happening before. I mean, you saw bands like Poison and we, Wasp and uh, Rat before they were ever famous or whatever. So take us back to that time in your life when you're basically a kid going to the clubs and seeing some of these bands that went on to be, you know, fairly well known actually very well known uh what was it like for you and the scene and all that at the time as a kid growing up in hollywood and then tell us about odin just go yeah. right into oh, yeah. odin well, right well um yeah i saw them all come up you know really um i remember you, you saw armored um, saint come up right armored saint yeah you saw armored saint come up right everybody yeah, yeah. we uh I remember me and my buddy aaron we were at uh this is kind of how it kicked off is we we had our band and my uncle um, was scalping concert tickets at the time. And so he paid us money to go stand in line at the Greek theater to buy Pat Benatar tickets real early in the morning. And, um, and he paid us like 30 bucks each to do it, you know, whatever. We're like 16, 30 bucks, man. You know, your uncle was Tony Soprano and shit. Yeah. Yeah. so anyway, so we're standing in line and this dude comes up to us. I'll never forget him. He's this black dude and he was wearing bandanas on his wrists. And he was like, you know, the me- you know, early metal, like early 80s. And he was like, you guys, you're rockers. You know, you know, who you got to go see. You got to go see Motley Crue. And we we're like, oh, OK. So we remembered that and we took the bus into Hollywood and we saw Motley Crue uh, at the whiskey. And, um, you know, there was probably 25 people there. So this uh, would have been 80, 81. Yeah. 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 I believe it. And, um, uh, so we saw Motley Crue and we're like, well, those guys are crazy, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, um, and then we just kept going, we kept going and seeing them. And I got to say that band got huge quick, but, um, you know, and then then we got into Rat, and we saw Rat open a Motley show, and we were like, these guys are cool, you know? What, what was the lineup in Rat at that time? It was um, it was Stephen, Warren, and Robin, but they oh, had a different cool. drummer, a different bass player. Okay. And then they had another bass player, and then they changed drummers. So I saw, I saw Blotzer and Wands for a show. Okay. Um, different times yeah. uh, and you know once, once they had that lineup it was obvious that that was you know the chemistry was there that's for yeah. sure and there was actually a period because as an up and coming guitar player you know Warren Martini, even at 19 was was awesome you know oh yeah um, and so I would just stand up in front and watch him play and take notes you know and go home and like what did he do you know right. uh, and um, he actually made the mistake of giving me his phone number at one point and I just bugged the shit out of him but um, I was ambitious, you know. I had questions. Bless, uh, bless his heart, man. Yeah, and then there was a period where Warren D. Martini was out of Rat, um, and the guitar player was Mark Torian from Right Bullet Boys. Bullet Boy, yeah. And uh, he was in there for. I've heard different accounts from Mark and different things I've read, but I was there, man. And he was in there for like three shows, and then Warren came back. That's what happened. Right. The, the EP hadn't even been made yet. It was way seeing, before out of You're selling. seeing Rat. You're not seeing Mickey Rat. Rat, yeah. Okay, yeah, you're seeing official Rat. Okay. Yeah. Wow, so, that's, co- so that's cool. Did you, 
it sounds to me like you know you you recognize some uh, some magic in Motley Crue, and you meant and and you saw some magic in Rat. But did you did you have any idea at that early stage that these bands were going to be huge, or did you just think they were like uh, you know exceptionally good local dudes? Well, you know, to me because I was such a kid, and they were on stage at the Whiskey, and I was not. That was already. I thought huge. they were huge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, they were bigger than me. That's all I knew. That's right. how it was, and I think that's how it is in most of us who have aspirations to start, you know, to be in a rock band and want to do this for as a life. Um, your local pool, you know, when you see the guys that are already up there and writing their own shit, and and they already have like a a shtick and everything you're like whoa you know what i mean it's really really inspiring you already think that they're like going for gold yeah, they're, they're like connecting songs and they have a real set list and and all yeah. of that yeah well, that you know, that's just, they had to learn how to do that just like we all did so it's right. kind of a, it's really cool that you got to see all that fast forward a little bit to what what year was it and and what time frame is it the same around the same time like right after you were seeing um, a lot of the L.A., the, the best of L.A. sort of like start to snowball that you and your brother started o Odin. Yeah, well, that, that started in uh, that band kind of evolved. You know, I joined a band when I was in seventh grade called the Termites. Okay. And, wow. and I like and, that. Nice. Yeah. And uh, what happened was that I joined the band and then the drummer couldn't be in the band anymore because he got because he got bad grades or something right and uh and so i said hey my brother plays the drums and so he came in and then the biggest you know long story short the i met aaron sampson the bass player in eighth grade um and he uh and the bass player that we had decided he wanted to play like you know different kind of music more new wave-ish or whatever okay so he wanted to leave and i said that's cool i got this bass player who knows how to play acdc so whatever you know and uh and then the singer was a guy that we we got a singer and he was a guy who i knew from from uh where i grew up in echo park um you know went to grade school with so and then we were called then we changed the name of the band to tempest and then we changed the name of the band to odin okay and then uh and then the singer ended up after high school he got married and moved to san jose so we needed a singer and then i met a guy named uh brad parker a guitar player and he had he was a couple years older than us and brad um, parker brad parker played one gig with metallica that's right that's right and he was also in a band called um uh i can't remember the name of the band now but it was a band that featured joey vera and tommy lee that's right yeah yeah brad parker um, went by a different name i don't want to make it be about him but there's there's legend and lore that damien phillips that's right yeah. and he had like feather earrings and he when he plugged in all his shit before the band was even ready to hit the stage he was just noodling and noodling and that yeah he was a trip yeah that wasn't what metallica was about so he was fired before they even made it before lars and james and them made it to the stage right right yeah. So, but we, but I met him and he had like this, because we rehearsed with the singer's garage, but the singer was gone. So we didn't have a place to rehearse. So this guy had um, this really cool garage studio he built, you know, and he, and he had, he didn't really have a band. 
he was jamming with a couple guys. We didn't have a band. And so I told the guys, I said, hey, let's get him in the band. And then we can rehearse. Right? Here we go. So, Here we go. <laughs> that's just called, so we, uh, uh, kids, that's just called using your resources. We, we hear yeah. this story all the time. It's when like, that, uh, when, when this guy's that, got a PA. He's yeah, in the when, band. Yeah. When you're that young, you don't know how to treat people. You don't know what you're dealing with. You're just like, hey, he's got a place to jam. Doesn't matter that he's a dick. Right. We had to, it was, you know, we had to survive. I'm not calling Brad Parker a dick. I'm just saying it doesn't matter if the guy is a loony or it doesn't. The situation, you're just using your resources as a kid. Hey, let's yeah. let's go with him. He's got a car. It's the same thing. Right. It's totally, totally the same thing. And uh, so we in the band and we started jamming and then we needed a singer. So he put out an ad, Brad Parker. See, he was a couple of years older, so he had a okay. he knew a few more things than we did. So he put out an ad and recycler for a singer, and um, that's how we found Randy O. And um, okay. so, so we got Randy in the band, and we just started booking gigs. You know, I started playing the Troubadour and blah blah blah, and um, and then the first real, the first Troubadour show we did that was, you know, good was with Armored Saint. Oddly enough, wow. um, that's when we became got to know them. Um, not a surprise. And, uh, not a surprise. That was gonna happen no matter what so. it seems like it yeah. Yeah. yeah um but uh so and then once the band started you know we started headlining ourselves and we got started getting popular and and all that and so right when that happened we got rid of the other guitar player because we could because mm -hmm. we were making money we we could go rent a rehearsal space and all that it's like okay well he's he's out because you know i mean he, he passed away a few years ago. God rest his soul. Yeah. Um, but um, he he wasn't he could, he wasn't keeping up with the band. I just he just wasn't. It was one of those things, you know. Yeah. Um, and plus, he'd kind of gotten the idea that the band was his at that point. It was like, no, no, no. This is this is our thing. You know, you you got you you joined us. You know. But anyway, so we kicked him out, and then once he was gone, the band just kept kept going. You know, kept right. getting bigger. You know, more popular. When did, you start, um, when did you start like seeing interest from possible labels and and you know entering your first idea of making your first record? That was around '84. Okay. Okay. Yeah, by '84. Did, uh, Odin, did Odin tour? We only no, we only did one tour. We toured one time. We did like a couple weeks with with uh, Alcatraz when Steve Vai was in it. Oh, far wow. out. Okay. Yeah. We just, we Which was cool Graham, because we just had Graham Bonnet on the show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I saw Graham Bonnet again many, many years later. Oh wow. Uh yeah, which and I reminded him. I said, Hey, remember me? Because I did some shows. Uh I was playing guitar with Frank Domino and um which was awesome to play a bunch of Angel songs, by the way. Yeah. Um and it, we did was a few it, was shows it under with, the banner of Angel? No, it was Frank just Frank Domino. Just Frank, okay. Yeah, and um, we um, and we did we did a few shows, several shows with Graham Bonnet, and uh, I said, "Hey, you remember me?" And blah blah blah, and he was like, "Oh, oh." And then of course I told him how awesome I thought he was. He's such a cool, humble dude. He's yeah, he's, he's, he's great. great. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. so, so no, we didn't really we didn't really tour, and we never really got it. We never, you know, we saw everybody pass us. You know, we saw Warrant pass us. We saw Poison pass us. Yeah. Everybody, you know, but we. 
you know, we got mixed up with bad management. You know, it's so cliche, you know, what happened to Odin. Yeah, I know, Dave, really I know Dave has a question, but I wanted to get this off my chest. Do you feel like uh, in, in the Penelope Spheris film, uh, Decline of the Western Civilization, the Metal Gears, do you feel like not only Odin, but do you feel like some of the bands... I have a bad feeling about this movie. I, I have this preconceived notion of that I, I feel like I know what you're going to say, but maybe not. I mean, I'm not you, but I feel like a lot of the bands that I'm a fan of were portrayed as just coming off like assholes or like deserving. But then the first decline movie, the punk years was came off the same way. It just, I mean, it was decadent. It was a lot of anger and, people saying if they if they can't make money doing it they're gonna kill themselves <laughs> shit like that you know yeah and, and and the the scenes with uh you know uh chris holmes in the pool it's embarrassing it gives metal a bad name i didn't like it a lot of people love the film and i i see the pros and cons of of understanding what the movie's about what do you think when you see yourself in that movie what do you what do you see well i mean first of all i'll say that that she definitely cinched you know the editing and how it was sensationalized was obvious you know yeah. because you know like when we're in that hot tub and randy says if he doesn't make it he's gonna kill himself that was a joke that was an old joke you know, but it he's wasn't not the only—he's not the only long-haired rock and roll personality in the film that says that. Oh, you mean like the people, the random people they're interviewing? There's those a couple people. Of let people me tell you something. What, those... what happens if you don't make it? I'll kill myself, and it's not Randy O. Well, so, a lot of those people too that that are interviewed and being around, being in that scene. A lot of those people were not even in bands; they were just. Posers, they were just hanging out. They, a lot of them weren't even okay. in there. All right, that's they were just wearing the costume, you know. That's it, right? Right? Ooh, I say that same shit all the time. Yeah, um, yeah dude, that is interesting insight. I never even would have thought that that. W so Penelope Spheris is not staging that. These were just people like living on the strip that were thought yeah. they were, thought they were rock stars and more deserving than you or me or Dave or anybody else you know right but they weren't even really in bands they or if they, no, were, they, or they weren't they weren't gigging they, or they didn't they work you know, they weren't or they didn't have ability or talent they just were in the scene and you know dressed up and hung out and trying to get chicks or whatever Halloween yeah it's Halloween right. for them right yeah but so, yeah, so, so. At, the, at the time though I mean at the time you know in hindsight is everything right so in in hindsight the movie sort of comes across at, and I'm a fan of the movie don't don't get me wrong I love it um but uh, it it kind of it, it's sort of recognized today as sort of a parody of of the scene you know uh, but when you're being interviewed for the movie at the time, you, you must have also thought it was sort of a catalyst of sorts. It's like somebody's making a, a movie, a big budget movie about our scene, and they want us to be in it. So what was your thinking going into the movie um, as far as it being possibly a launching pad of some sort? Well, you know, I thought it was cool, but, you know, there were a lot of cool things that were going on so it was just another cool thing that i was like oh yeah that's cool and you know i was you know in that movie i was 22 years old so right you know and i was completely absorbed in you know the scene and what we were doing and you know just everything that goes along with that so i was like oh you know great you know 
let's do this. And then, you know, so I didn't really, me personally, you know, I was just going along with everything like I did with everything else, you know. That's what's cool about, sorry to interrupt, but that's what's cool about you, Jeff, and is that you, you're a team player and you, you know, you, you, you just wanted to play rock and roll. Sure, yeah. you wanted to write songs. Sure, you wanted to make a record. Sure, you wanted to tour. Sure, you wanna, you wanted to make some kind of simple living, at at playing rock music and being a working guitar player. I understand. So, that movie is, I mean, I hate the movie Rockstar too. So don't don't get me wrong. It's like yeah. the portrayals of how it really is is not in either of those movies in my no. mind. But it's nah. a, but decline is a classic, man. I mean, I, you, love it or hate it, it's it will never be forgotten. It's a classic, and you were in it, and so whether it's uh, turned out to be a blessing or a curse, it's you know, I, I think it's pretty cool that you're in the movie. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> you know, I'll, I mean, I'll drink to all of that. I, I I'll swallow was, that as well. When I saw that movie, which is funny, because when I went to the premiere of that movie, I was a member of Armored Saint at that point. Right. Um. So. But when I saw it at first, I was like, oh, God, you know, that's that's lame. But then, you know, as time went on, I was like, you know, we just got filmed being how everyone else was at the time. And, it's, you know, to 22, you know, a young kid in the Hollywood scene, your band's popular, you're partying, you're, you know, you're not really, you know, you're, you're 22 years. You're young. Smart. Yeah, yeah you're dumb. It's not you know? anybody's fault that you are you are who you are when you are who you are. So right. So then I was like, well, I, I was in a I was in a movie being that way. Were you? You know, I mean, okay, whatever. You know, I, I don't. And you know, and, and as years went by, I had people come up to me. I saw Odin and Decline. I loved you guys. You know, so yeah. it turned out to be a positive thing. You guys have a huge army of fans. That's yeah. why I feel like it's important that we that we that we talk about Odin and your. How did that record do, and how many times did it get reissued, if any? It got reissued once. Okay. Um, and it did. Uh, you know, it did well. It did. Good. It did good. Um, we just could not get a major label to sign us. I mean, no matter what, it, it was just you know. Uh, and unfortunately, when that happens, after enough years and you go through that, you know, what happens is you start questioning what you're doing and you're saying, is it that guy or what about the music we're writing? Should we do like, should we be more pop metal? Should you start questioning that? And I think that's where, that's where the band started to fracture was that we were not, we were not getting to where we wanted I, to go. Man, I've always believed you should not change your fucking wardrobe or who you are just because someone with a bag of money or, uh, you know, look over the fence. It's, look how it's green over on my side of the fence, right? It's not green on your side of the fence. You need to come over. You know, fuck all that. Yeah, be, yeah, be definitely. Who you are, be who you are today. You know, yeah, definitely. Grow, and and nobody gonna... even told us to do that. We were just like, what do we do? We got it. You right. know, you, you know, we're slugging it out. And like, again, seeing all these bands pass us up. Yeah. And, and, you know, it was just a bummer. I think, you know, I think labels just didn't know what to what to do with us because we were heavy. But we had like this, you know, the way we looked at the same time. I think yeah. it was just, you know, couldn't really pinpoint exactly what we were. I think Is that there, was a part it, of it. I'm, I'm sorry to move forward, but we're. You know, we want to keep moving because there's so much we want to talk to you about. Um, is that Odin record available? Can people like, is it, is it like hella expensive collector's item price now? 
Well, if anybody's interested in that record, um, EMP re-released it. Okay, right. Yeah. So they could go on the EMP website and see if they could still get it. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I think EMP has imploded. But uh, I, I think so. There's there's boxes of those somewhere. So somewhere somebody's got those. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. I want one. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll make sure you get one, Jason. Yeah, I want I want one. So, so I, I wanted to ask real quick before yeah. we before we leave Odin, uh, you know, you, you guys were a big draw on the scene. You were in the movie. You were obviously recognized as being uh, one of the top level bands of the time in the Hollywood scene. And you touched on it a, a little bit, Jeff. But um, why why do you think in a nutshell, why why did you not get the major label uh, deal? Because you were surrounded by bands that were getting major label deals. You were obviously every bit the draw that those bands were. So why not Odin? Well, you know, I think it was a combination of things, you know, we, you know, bad management, you know, we, we things like that. Um, too many bloodsuckers around us. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, we just, we weren't organized enough in within it for us to be, once somebody got close to us who was a label person, it just, I just think it was just unappealing. And plus, you know, everybody was, you know, partying like crazy. You know, there were a lot of drugs in that band and um, things like that. So, you know, I thought about it, you know, obviously I thought about it quite a bit, but then it just kind of got to the point where I was like, well, uh, because it wasn't meant to be. I mean, because where I ended up going was where I ended up going. So, uh, I always looked at Odin as my rock and roll boot camp, you know, and, and sure. if that's what it was, I'm okay with that. You know? Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, so where's, where, take us to the timeline now from Odin to Armored Saint. How, how do you, uh, how do you get involved with Armored Saint after Odin? Well, well, we were, you know, we were already friends, you know, a matter of fact, me and, uh, we used to hang out. I mean, me and, me and Pritchard and Bush hung out mostly. We became pretty good pals. Um, and uh, Joey, too. I mean, all the guys. But um, they approached me first during the Delirious uh, tour cycle. That's where they approached me first. I was still in Odin at the time, and I just wasn't ready to pull the plug on that band yet. Um, and I was like, I just, you know, I got to see what's going to happen here, you know. And it was a it was a tough decision. You know, I love the armored say, you know, yeah. uh, yeah. still do, of course. Um, and then, um, and, and then it came back around again in 88. And at that point, you know, Odin, we were just sick of each other. I mean, bottom line, uh, uh, we were just sick of each other. And, uh, say came around again, uh, after raising fear, they put out uh, the saints will conquer EP. And I said, yeah, I want to do it. And I joined 88 and we did, uh, we did the Saints Will Conquer tour with, uh, well, it was us and we were supporting King Diamond. And that was the first real tour I ever did. Uh, I did that. And then we, and then after that, we started, we started doing demos for, um, uh, what would become Symbol of Salvation. Yes. Uh, started writing and then I split. <laughs> Uh, and then I ended up leaving the band. There were a couple of reasons. Uh, one, I wanted to get cleaned up, which, which I did. 
um, and have been ever since. And then, uh, uh, and plus the manager, the manager at the time they had didn't like Odin. So he kind of, kind of aced me out of a lot of things and I really didn't dig that, you know, and I don't, I don't, I'm not uncomfortable saying it because, you know, the, the guys in the band are well aware of what happened, you know? Um, so anyway, I, I left and I ended up getting cleaned up and but was oh, that, I did my was thing. That, for like a year. Was that Ron Lafitte? Yes. Mm-hmm. He did not like me. Because, because he didn't <laughs> like Odin. He'd see me and he'd be nice to me, but well, he'd see me and he'd be nice to me, but then what was going on as far as like, you know, cutting me out of photos, just well, this weird shit that wasn't mm. cool, you know. Yeah. Um, and and at the time, you know, the Armour Saint guys, you know, I mean, I understand, you know, they were like, you know, they had just lost the chrysalis deal, and they had him, and they, so they they kind of went along with it just because of for reasons. It wasn't against me; it was just how it was. Um, they were holding on to they hold, were holding on to whatever resources they had left over. Exactly. To try exactly. To, stay, to try to stay working, and uh, yeah, that's and, and I will good. say, in all, in all fairness, in hindsight, um, had I been a little more mature at the time, I probably could have confronted that and got through it. But I was just like, Ugh! you know, uh, I wouldn't again, react that not way. To, not to now, make this because I'm not to make this the running theme but because we were all young and you know you were you just admitted you were yeah. young and you didn't know you didn't know how to manage your own right uh where right, right. you know while, um, while you were at the at that moment in in your life um yeah and you yeah, know that's, ron, that's ron what... was young too he was a younger guy managing bands yeah you know, it's kind of weird yeah and i certainly you know don't have anything against ron at this point you know i hope he's good you know it's whatever yeah um so now just so to then, be clear uh, i want to talk about something that's a little sensitive because you know i met armored saint when the world outside of la met armored saint which is the march tour right march of the saint tour yeah uh in 85 and like early 85. I can tell you the date that I met Armored Saint, February 21st, 1985. Yeah. And so fast forward and God rest his soul, Pritchard passes away from leukemia and uh, Bush had been keeping me informed on his the state of the band and, and where, where Dave was and all that. Yeah. To be clear, you didn't really replace either Dave or Phil, did you? Well, no, because I I, I had been in the band with Dave, right? And and then uh, and I left, and then in the time when I was out of the band, that's when Dave got sick and eventually passed away. Right. Um, so the band was essentially guitarless at that point. But you know, after that happened, those guys weren't even thinking about the band at that point. They were just no. crushed, you know. Yeah. Um, and then they decided to get together and, you know, Bush got a hold of me and you want to do it. And we're going to talk to Phil and get Phil back. Um, and that's just kind of how it happened. And, and uh, so, no, I didn't, you know, uh, yeah, you're I never not replaced. A, you're not a replacement guitar player. No, I mean, I didn't even replace Phil because no. it, when, when I played with Dave, because Phil had been out of the band already for a while and they'd already done an album as a four piece. 
right. too. So I was just, you know, I never replaced anybody. I didn't replace Dave. You know, uh, Phil had, when we got together, when me and Phil came in the band, um, or back to the band, uh, it was just, it was just the new guard as far as the guitar players. Yeah. You know, we just had been in the band before. So yeah, it wasn't, you know, cause a lot of press, you know, like symbol of salvation. Oh, they, they recruited former Odin guitar player, Jeff Duncan. And they're like, no, that's really not how it went. That's really yeah. not how it was. Right. You know? See, we, we know that as, as hardcore fans, but the press doesn't know that because they're just looking right. at face value. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think symbol of salvation is one of the best albums to come out of that, that era. I mean, that is a freaking solid album, man. And, uh, and, and and John Bush, I mean, we've said it on the show numerous times, probably one of the most underrated vocalists ever. Don't get and, me started. Uh, and, and, and you have a songwriting credit. I mean, you, didn't you write uh, or co-write Last Train Home? Yeah, Last Train Home and um, the title track, Symbol of Salvation. Yeah, so uh, so this, yeah. so this is your ba- this basically this is your recorded debut with Armored Saint and, and 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 to me it's you know it's a great record man so you you not only showed up you showed up big man <laughs> I mean you made a splash so why why didn't that album uh, you know we we hear the story all the time you know it's it's circumstances and whatnot but in your opinion why did that album not uh go bigger because it definitely had the goods because it came out in 1991 i mean bottom line uh, yeah you yeah, know yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah the timing you know sure. and, and what was going on um the musical climate changed i remember touring that <laughs> excuse me i remember touring that 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 record was hard. It was very diff- It was a very rough tour. Um, it's like, cause it was like, what's going on, you know, and some shows were good, but you know, the, there were shows that weren't, you know, uh, and it just, all of a sudden it all changed. And I think, you know, had that album come out a couple of years sooner, it might've been a different story. You know yeah. I mean? You can say that kind of shit all day, who knows? But, um, but that, I think that's why, you know, I mean, it came yeah. out in 1991. It wasn't the right time to put out a record like that that was going to appeal to a mass a massive audience because it it, it just had changed yeah, yeah. That's, that's the main reason that's, i mean we had everything in place that's a you very know? valid point very valid point um but for in my opinion for what it's worth i think it's one of the best albums in the armor saint catalog and it's one of the best you know hard rock metal albums from that time period so uh, you know, and you and you got some MTV exposure out of it. I mean, it was you know you guys were working it, man. And uh, I I I always thought it deserved to do better than it did. But like you said, it was a changing landscape at the time. So no. Yeah, and, and, and you know, it, 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 I'll always be. Um, of course, at the time I didn't realize it, you know. But I, I'll always be really grateful that my my recording debut with Armored Saint was that record. Yes, because um, it was there was there was a lot of that that album had a lot of spirit, you know, it was a lot of um, was an emotional record, you know, because we were doing a lot of a lot of the work that went into that was was Dave's legacy, you know, because a lot of that material he wrote, most of it was Dave's material. Yeah. So I was um, I was I was was out there uh, recording the second toys record and 
I, I spent a day with you guys at the studio. I have a photo. Me and Chris McLernan were there at the same same time, and there's a there's a group photo of all you guys. And I don't know if Dave Jordan was in it, but there were there's a couple other knuckleheads and stuff. But it's like this spray yeah. of of headbanger, you know, in this one photo. I have it somewhere. I'll have to dig it up. But everyone's just cheesing, you know. I think John's in the middle, sitting in the director's chair or some shit and uh yeah i remember i remember you being there at el dorado yeah um and uh, i remember you were there and you had just gotten your your uh snake tattoo yeah, the, the elton john tattoo on my chest you had yeah. just gotten that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's a sign of the times man that's yeah that's good old 1990 well, I, I just, I just want to say again, I think Symbol's Salvation Rules is a It's a king. Breaking it's a great fucking record. king. The record yeah. is a king. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. So, and let's, let's, let's uh, jump forward to the last couple records. Very great records also. Um, uh, Wind Hands Down, Punching the Sky. Um, uh, you know, I, I know that uh, COVID had, you know, probably put the kibosh on some of the touring and the, and the promotion, but... Again, I think these are two great records. And and earlier you said Symbol of Salvation, you know, it came out in 91 and sort of the grunge thing was taken over. But now, you know, move forward all these years to Win Hands Down and uh, and Punching the Sky. Uh, critically acclaimed records, very good records. Uh, so what, what, do you think they deserve to do better than they did? Or are you satisfied with what, you know, the the you know, the sales of it and the, and the promotion and the reception that it received. Well, they did do good. Um, yeah. and we did a lot of touring on Win hands down a lot of, a lot of touring. And even in the middle of all that, did it, um, did a symbol of salvation in its entirety. That's right. You know, run. Um, but, uh, you know, it's kind of at a, it's, it's just, it's just different now in that we know, you know what our who our core following is and plus also in the years you know we we've done a lot a lot of building the band in europe um so we've established that you know very well at this point so um we know this is where it's different is that we know who our audience is and and so you know like when hands down uh even going back to maybe revelation um La Raza, um, for, for what we know, as far as our base and what we do, they, those records have done well, particularly the last two. Yeah. So, so to us, you know, it's not like, um, you know, who the fuck goes platinum anymore? Nobody. Right. You know? right. Um, so we're not, we don't look at it like that. We look at it based on, based on our fan base are fans still there? And the answer is yes, they absolutely are. Yeah, and we're, yeah. we're we're always very grateful for that, you know. So we don't we don't put a whole lot of expectations on you know, or I don't anyway, as, of the band becoming like you know, the next Metallica or 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 something like that. You know, right. it's cool. It's cool that we even are still here. That's how I see it, and yeah. that we have people who give a shit. You know, it's just we're very very lucky in that respect. I think. 
you great guys answer all- and, and, and great perspective. And, and I've seen you guys live in recent years and, you, you know, you still fill the place and you still draw an audience. So, you know, uh, absolutely. You're, you're, you're hitting your target audience and, and, and that's all you can ask for. And I think that's great that you're still doing, you know, you guys have always been able to hold on to your people. Yeah, for yeah, sure. You're never letting anybody down because you guys, you guys must rehearse. <laughs> well, we rehearsed before we toured. At least yeah. once in a while, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You guys must rehearse. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jeff, you alluded to something earlier that I wanted to uh, uh, go back and, and touch on, if you don't mind. Um, y- you talked about uh, getting your act cleaned up, and, and you've been sober now for, I guess, decades. Uh, what what was the catalyst for you? What what made you get your act together, basically? I was, you know, I was just tired of it. You know, I, I was, it wasn't really doing it for me anymore. And uh, I just found myself in a position where I just didn't know how to stop. So I went and, you know, started going to, to meetings and all that. And I was willing to stop. And I learned how to, how to change some of my perspectives in that area. I mean, that's kind of the cliff notes of it. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I just didn't want to, you know, I just didn't see, I just didn't see that that was going to, help me as far as what my aspirations were um and i don't know how i had that kind of clarity when i was 23 but but it was definitely really clear uh so uh that was really it i was just i just didn't think it was going to be something that was the way i was with it i didn't i didn't see that that it was going to benefit me in any way i I saw it getting worse it wasn't going to if anything, if I kept doing it, it would have gotten worse. Um, but, uh, but you know, next Friday, uh, next Friday, I'll have 33 years. Amazing. amazing. Congratulations. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I, you know, I, I only ask because I'm always, uh, yeah, I don't want to use I'll use the word impressed because that's my word and I'm going to use it. Uh, I know you don't feel that way about it, but um, I, I always uh, am amazed that somebody in, in your line of work and Jason's very much the same way. You know, uh, you guys are in the rock and roll business and you're surrounded by all this stuff all the time. And uh, for you to just decide it's not for me anymore, it's not working. And to and to and to toe that line is is pretty incredible. Is you got to be surrounded by temptation all the time. Yeah, not really. I mean, you know, uh, I've had people say to me, oh, you know, is it hard, you know, on the road or whatever? And it's like, you know, there's a liquor store down the street. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, I, I, I was just, I really was just done with it. Um, and, you know, temptation, it really doesn't exist. I just, I just don't care. I, I don't yeah. want it. You know, I just don't do it. Well, good you know, for you, man. That, that, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. I'm glad it's working for you. Tell us about Wanderlust. Uh, Wanderlust, um, definitely Labor of Love, that record. Um, something I always wanted to do was a guitar instrumental record. and um, But it was one of those things, you know, where I was like, I don't want to do it until I feel like a, a skill level or a confidence level that I feel I could do something that, you know, is, is right. So what I started doing was, um, I started writing, doing some little demos at home and writing some instrumentals. And I was bringing them to a friend of mine <coughs> out here, um, who I actually have a small label with now called Tone House Records. Um, he's a, you know, engineer and all that guitar player guy, really great at what he does. And so I started bringing him my 
demos and recording on my little digital eight track so he could kind of master them so they're the same level really so i could just listen to him and be like cool you know instrumental songs this is fun you know yeah and he he uh was really digging the stuff he's like what are you gonna do with this i'm like i don't know i'm just being creative you know it's fun and uh he's like well we should make a record you know we'll worry about it later let's make a record so I'm like, all right. So I ended up recruiting a drummer out here that I know, a guy named Alex Papa, fantastic drummer. Um, and we just made we just made the record, and um, you know, it came out really, really great, and uh, it was so fun to make. And you know, I, I think it was so enjoyable to make because one, I was just this Bengali. Um, not that I I worked, I do work well with others, but it was nice to just be able. To, whatever I want, you know, my palette, you know, um, and, um, uh, so again, it was a labor of love. Like I didn't care how many people bought it. I didn't care uh, about any of that. It was just, it was just more about a personal accomplishment doing that. And it was fun too, because I, I really pushed myself and, and, uh, Jason Constantine who, who, uh, produced it with me and recorded it. Um, he pushed me too. So it was, it, I really, there was a lot of growth I experienced as a, not just as a guitar player, but as a musician making, making that record. Cause when you write songs and it's just the guitar, that's the singer, that's a whole different world because, because then, then when the solo happens, it's gotta be a little extra special because the guitar's going the whole time, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and making, and then translating a song on the guitar um, without words, but try but, but emoting, you know, that's a whole nother skill level. You got to know when to hold back. You got to say something. So hopefully I accomplished that. Um, but I understood that during the process, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. and I look forward to making another one, which I will. I was just going to ask, is there is there more of that in your future? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I'll probably, you know, that's the cool thing about that is I could do that in my, in my 70s, man. You well, know, yeah. It's, there's no singing involved, you know, just <laughs> yeah. playing guitar. <laughs> uh, speaking of singing, let's go back to uh, John Bush leaving Armored Saint and and joining Anthrax. What's what's going through your mind at that point? Well, I was roommates with John at the time, um, so I, I was like one of the first guys that really knew what was going on. Um, was I at the time? I went. I was after, but anyway, uh, I understood it. At the time, I understood why he did it. I, he turned it down the first time. Right. But then we, we ended up doing a, uh, then he got called again, and we ended up doing a couple of shows in Hawaii with uh, Overkill. And um, I knew he was going to be doing it. So he, he was going to be joining Anthrax. So that last show we did in Hawaii, when we walked off stage, I was like just looking at the crowd and looking at the guy. I'm like, well, that's it. Wow. It was pretty weird. Um but I didn't blame him. I didn't, you know, uh, it was, it was a great offer. And, and, in in my opinion, they were very smart to seek him out. Um, cause he's John Bush, uh, you know, so, uh, I, I, I understood. I don't think there was anybody in Armored Saint at the time who wouldn't have made a move like that. It was just, you know, after the symbol tour and everything that happened, and and how that was and how frustrating that that was still a, still a strange time for rock music 
in '93. Yeah. I was, uh, I was ironically in Hawaii when I found out that John accepted the offer. Yeah. Um, Dan Corporal, God rest his soul. Dan Corporal, an old armored saint, uh, guitar tech, was actually yeah. out on the road with Dangerous Toys, and he was like, "Guess what? You're never gonna guess." And he tells me, and I was like, "Whoa!" You know, so. Yeah, I was actually in Hawaii when when I heard that. Uh, very, very interesting. Yeah, and those and you know those records John did with Anthrax are awesome. Yeah, strong, yeah, totally very strong. I think those I albums. Have, I have a I have a question. I want yeah. to move into this uh, as we go into our last sort of fifteen minutes here. Listen, uh, there's an Armored Saint feature film coming out at some point. What's it called? What What's it about? Tell us the skinny on it. Well, I'll tell you the little I know about it. Um, okay. A guy named Russell Charrington out of England. He's a big fan of Armored Saint. Uh, put it together. Um, and I think it's called like Band of Brothers or something like that. Oh, yeah, okay. All right. um, I don't know when it's coming out. Uh, I've seen um, a version of it that needs some edits. Uh, but that's how it came about. He just did it really on his own wanted to do it and you know of course he's skilled in that area yeah. of making film uh so it's really cool that you know he, he uh put in so much time and effort and, and and love into wanting to you know put put the story of armored saint out there you know yeah. uh because it's it's a pretty cool story you know especially when you look into you know that you know particularly john and joey and gonzo gonzo how they you know, those guys went to elementary school together. It's yeah. crazy, you know. I don't know anybody I went to elementary school with, never mind playing in a band with them for decades and touring the world, you know, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's, that's right. You know, even... Not a lot of bands can say that unless they're, they're brothers, you know. Right, and even my history, I mean, I've known those guys since I was probably 17, you know. Uh, we go way back. Yeah, that's yeah. way, way back. Tell, tell way us back. a little bit about, tell us a little bit about DC4. Yes. Uh, um, DC4, uh, yeah, we've done uh, four albums and an EP. Um, it's uh, a really cool thing. You know, it was, uh, I became the singer of that by default because uh, I did, wrote these songs and did the demos and I just sang on them. And then we ended up, uh, we got, I wanted another guitar player. We had a guy initially, um, Highland Church. Eventually we had Rowan Robertson. Um, for the next three records but when, when we got the other guitar player in the beginning i was like okay cool it sounds great so you know we'll find a singer my brothers were like well we thought you were gonna do it because like i'll give it a shot you know uh so that's that's how that happened um you know i think we've made some really good records and you know we may again right now it's it's kind of on the back burner because i'm writing um i'm writing material right now with a with a singer a guy named uh, Mark Whites, who is a fantastic singer, um, and we're writing some really cool stuff. So, uh, kind of doing that right now. And you know, DC Four, you know, we may, we may do something. Uh, who knows? You know, it's not, it's not like dismantled or anything. It's just that's, that's what I'm doing right now. And yeah. my brothers yeah. are involved with that, of course. 
Yeah. What, what was your approach to? Uh, you, you said you you were you sang by default. Uh, how 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 did you approach singing for the first time? Was it uh, was it scary? Was it something you uh, you just went and tackled head on, or you know, tell us a little bit about that because that's kind of got to be out of your wheelhouse, obviously. But well, it wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, I was you know saying like. Um, you know, I'm saying I've always been kind of like the high voice behind John, you know, so I knew how to yell into a microphone. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I did have to learn how to, you know, do be a lead singer, which is a whole nother, another thing. You know, I had to learn more about singing, about, you know, saving my voice during shows, different, you know, I mean, Jason knows what I'm talking. I had to learn all that stuff, which I, I learned later on in the game, you know, I probably, I was probably about... 30 when I started singing in a band. So, um, you know, but I wasn't, I wasn't scared of it. I was actually kind of, um, empowered that my brothers thought I sounded good enough to do it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause I was just writing the song to figured I'd show them to a singer and they were like, no, you do it. You know, and that, so, uh, but I'm glad I did it because now it's something else I know how to do. Right. Which is cooler, you know. So I could sing, you know, I could sing harmony vocals with the best of them at this point, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, but I'll always be I'll always be a guitar guy first. I mean, that's just that's just a fact. I'll always be a guitar player. That's that's my that's my passion. That's what I love. What got you what what do you think made you like decide that the guitar was gonna be your your voice, ironically, as we could say it? Starting out, you mean? Yeah, like what you're in your humble beginnings as a child, basically. When when was it? How old were you? Who 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 did you hear that blew you away? It's like I want to learn how to do that. I mean, I well, can guess was, um, I can guess who it was, but it might have been somebody a little bit earlier, you know. Well, I was about nine, okay. um, and it was really my dad. You know, my dad was a oh. musician, and. Um, he had a he had a hit. He had a gold record in the early early sixties. I had old surf tune. Wow. Let's go, right? My dad wrote that. Um Wow. And he played guitar. He wasn't a lead guitar player, but he played chords and what's the name of the I song? Just, let's go. Huh? Well, let's go. What's let's the go. name of the song? Let's go. Okay. What's wow. the name of the artist? Uh, the hit was was by a band called uh the the root the routers. The routers, and then the, the Ventures recorded it too. Wow! Yeah, yeah, that's, big hit. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. new. Yeah, we, yeah, we still get we still get royalties for it. It's amazing. Yeah. Wow! Uh, so yeah, so he played guitar, and you know, I, I just found it as soon as I saw it. I was just in, intrigued by it. You know, oh, yeah. I, I just thought it was cool. You know, and uh, my dad, I, he when he played guitar, I'd go sit on the floor and watch him play, and I would. I think he thought I was listening to him, but I was watching his fingers on you know, the neck. Yeah. And uh, one day he just said, you like the guitar, don't you? And like, yeah, yeah. And he sat me up and he showed me an E chord. And even at that age, man, as soon as he, I, I'm not lying, as he showed me where to put my fingers and I went, crystal clear. It just felt right. Wow. It was just something I was supposed to do. Um, so once I knew that, you know, I was, my cousin brought over this little acoustic guitar for me, and I just walked around the house banging that B chord for probably months, and it just kind of went from there. So it was pretty. It was pretty early on, you know. And then my yeah. dad would have yeah. his band rehearsals, and I'd go and I'd always sit in front of the lead guitar guy and watch him. 
bug them and ask them questions. Yeah, so you just you had like an in a, a live-in sort of uh, obvious teacher. There were musicians hanging around your house all the time. So yeah, I, I was real lucky, you know, um, because when when I started meeting guys in school and stuff, we were like, oh, my parents don't want me to be a musician, you know, and this and that. I was like, why not? I, I right. didn't compute to me. Yeah. You know, I, why not? Oh, they think I need to, you know, get a real job. I'm like, well, yeah, but then you, you like, you know, you practice and then, and then that's your job. And then you become like, like these guys who do it. You know what I mean? Like it is a job. Yeah. I mean, I've never thought of it being like, you know, always your number one, but you, you do have to have something else to fall back on. I mean, you can't, just end up being, uh, you know, a, a street urchin who happens to be, be well, a no, part, of you, course not. Of have course to not. do what you need to do in order to uh, feed your passion. You know, you have right, to, right, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But I think that uh, really the point of it was was um, what do I want to put my time into as far yeah. as what's going to fulfill me and what's going to make me happy. Right. right. So if I would have done, you know, four, eight years in college or something like that to pursue some career I didn't really want to do, well, I wouldn't really be happy, would I? I might well, make more that's, money. That's probably four or five years you could have used to, you know, have disposable and have disposable jobs. I'm sorry, not income, disposable jobs that just are flags of, in between things and what i mean right. by you're in between things you're working a crappy job for you know the months that you're working on a new record that you're going to probably go into the studio and record with the money you're making from a shitty job right you're and you're right. living off of that shitty job so it's actually feeding your passion and that's what i meant it's just another version of something that i need to make a bumper sticker use your fucking resources you're not dead. Yeah. You can walk. You have two hands. You can flip a burger. You can make a cup of coffee. You can dig a ditch. Whatever it takes so you can play guitar or sing or write a song or whatever it is. Right. That and you, and know, always, that, that and you always, know that you have to do to be happy. Well, yeah. And, and always and always practice. Always always try and get better at what you yes. do. I mean, that's, that's really important because, you know, let's say if you're sucking, it's all for naught. Now you got to be decent enough to even be at the starting gate. And even once you're at the starting gate, that's a tough ride. So you better be like trying to get your shit down. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I tell young guys that all the time, like, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be good at what you do because, you know, then you'll just always be a dreamer, you know, yeah. uh, you won't be a doer. You'll be a dreamer. If you're not, if you're not cutting it at what you do, yeah. even if you're not really the best musician, you know, your, what's your ambition? What's your business plan? What's your, how are your songs? You know, all of those things are, are just so, so important. And again, even if you are great, you know, you get to the starting gate, you know, that gets you to the starting gate, you know, and then it's like, who knows, man. But if you're not, you know, uh, you're just wasting your time. Maybe you should do something else, you know, sounds kind of harsh, I guess, but that's just nah. my experience, you know. 
Out of all the things you've done, uh, Jeff, uh, touring especially, I'm, I'm going to focus on touring. And uh, has there ever been a moment where you're when you're on stage and you're looking around and going, "Oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this!" Like like a massive crowd or, or opening for somebody or headlining or was there ever a pinch me moment? I can't believe I'm doing this. Well, I mean, you know, it's kind of always like that, you know, because I'm so grateful that I'm still here. Um, but I remember we were doing, it was on the symbol salvation era. We did a couple of weeks, I think in Europe with, uh, scorpions. Uh, that was when they were doing the, uh, you know, uh, the winds of change, like that album, whatever that was. Um, and it was all sold out arenas. And I remember, I think it was tainted past. It was one song where I started off on the acoustic and I had the acoustic on a stand and, the electric guitar hanging behind me. And I remember doing this intro and the spotlights on me, boom, boom, boom. It's arena stage packed. And I looked up and it's all the lighters, you know, the packed arena lighters and it's just me and I'm that guy. And I remember at that point in time, I thought to myself, if it stops here, cool. Everything's gravy after this. That's pure. Because I wanted to get from that seat to that spot when I was young. That's that was the journey, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there I was yeah. for that moment in time. So to me, and it's still like that. Like that was, you know, everything else after that was was gravy. Yeah. But yeah. you know, but it's still like I'm still like we'll do like pack show or whatever, and people you know are totally into it. It's still like wow, it's so cool. We still get to do this. What? how awesome that, that we're still doing this. We still sound good. Everybody's in good health, you know? Um, I, I, but, but as far as that one moment you're asking me about, it was definitely that, at that point in time, um, where I was like, okay, you know, after yeah. this, yeah. it's all, it's all good. I'll never bitch about anything. Man. <laughs> yeah. The, the rest of this shit, the work has been done. The rest of this shit is free. As long as I stay in shape and practice. Well, yeah, I take it back to like when me and my, my buddy went to see Motley Crue in the club and we were like, oh, wow, you know, how did I get from that kid to that spot at that point in time? You know, so it's, you know, there's guys play circles around me that never experience a moment like that. Yes. You know, right. yeah. and I'm keenly well, aware well, of that fact, you know, because so I just you, try and stay, you, stay you grateful, dreamed, you know. You dreamed it and you made it, uh, you made it happen with, with how how uh, you're surmounting passion and you put you put your heart and soul and your head and your and your family support um definitely helped and you just yeah being yeah. being someone that other people enjoy working with is a big one as well and and uh, this is a good time for us to sort of wrap this up unfortunately but we just went full circle from the question dave asked earlier um you know about you guys being kids scalping tickets and then you know somebody coming up to you i just picture william howell coming up to you when you when you describe the guy Y'all need yeah, to he's kind of like that. yeah yeah uh, he, yeah he, i'll never forget that guy because he was a, an important guy in my life that guy sure, whoever he, he was. was he was the you angel know? he was the heavy metal angel coming to save you yeah here's he where you me. go Here's where you go to get the yes. inspiration to start. That's right. You know, he sent yeah, you on. Was... It was like the pick of destiny. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, here's the here's the deal: is uh, you never took it for granted, and you do not take it for granted. 
Jeff, no. it's been it's been fucking awesome hanging with you today and talking to you today about this yeah. about this whole thing and just your journey and your and your real heart. And, and, and thank you for sharing this story about uh, you know, that moment on stage when you're opening for the Scorpions, because I live for stuff like that. That's pure gold, man, because I'm the guy that's never going to have that moment. <laughs> I'm a frustrated musician, so I'm never going to have that onstage moment. And I love the fact that you recognize it and it's filed away in your brain. And, you, and as soon as I ask that question, it go, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about because it's it lives in your heart and it's there forever and no one can ever take that away and i think that's pure gold man yeah so. well it was it was definitely uh you know uh a, a moment that i remembered you know because uh to me it was just like a miracle i couldn't believe i was that guy right there at that yeah. point you know yeah. um yeah i mean really you know uh how did this happen you know um yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, again, anything after that was just like, hey, man, you know, I, I feel very fortunate, you know. Yeah. Real quick, uh, in, in 30 seconds or so, tell us what's next for Armored Saint. Uh, we start at the end of October doing uh, six and a half weeks in the States with Wasp. Oh, right. Um, yeah. Okay. Some of the dates have Michael that. Schenker on them. Yeah, Michael Schenker's on, I think, five shows, four mm -hmm. shows. Um so we got that coming up. So we're excited at any, what's going on after that. I have no, no, I heard, I hear there's some irons in the fire, but I know that's what we're definitely doing coming up here. So it'll be nice to, to be out on the road again. I mean, after all that crap, you know, everything. So we're really looking forward, forward Joey, to it. Joey's uh, hooking up with the King. He's going out under, with Merciful Fate. Yeah, he's doing the Merciful Fate reunion shows. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. That's yeah, amazing. Jeff, yeah, really, man, thank, really cool. thanks yeah, so thanks much for, for being everything. with us today, man. Uh, I, I love your humility and I love your stories and I love the fact that you truly appreciate what you do and you and you recognize it as being a, a, a privilege to do what you do and make a living at it. And uh, and and for what it's worth, I'll say it again: Symbol of Salvation is a awesome record, <laughs> and you're part yeah. of it. So. Thank you for that record and uh, everything else you do. And and thanks for joining us today, man. This was this was a lot of fun. Enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for all the kind words, guys. And uh, hope we see you in Texas when we're out there. Yeah, we'll look for you uh, on that Wasp tour when you when you come around in the fall. Yeah, yeah. You know some of the guys in the bands, so, you know, just let us know what's up if you're coming. Right on, right on. <laughs> you know that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, thank you so much. On behalf of my co-host, Jason McMaster, I'm Metal Dave with our special guest, Jeff Duncan, today on the Talk Louder podcast.